Hi, I'm Sien Xiao. And I'm Sammy Winemaker. We talk to people who have information and tips on how to unlock a better illness experience. The waiting room revolution starts right now. Welcome to our spring series, where we feature intimate conversations taken from our In the Waiting Room with live events. This episode, we feature Christopher McClellan. All right, Chris, are you ready? I am ready You're and, exci- born and ready, excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. All right, here we go, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Welcome to the In the Waiting Room with series. We're here today with Christopher McClellan, also known as the Bowtie Guy. Um, Chris hails from the U.S., though his father was born in Charlottetown, PI. So there's a Canadian connection here. He is a past caregiver and author a fellow podcast host. His podcast is called Healing Ties, and he's the founder of the Whole Care Network. It's a place for resources and stories shared by caregivers for caregivers. And Whole Care Network is a co-sponsor of today's live event. So welcome, Chris. It is great to be here, and I just love sharing my Canadian roots. It's wonderful. Well, we're excited to have you on, and it'd be, it'd be awesome to start with a brief a summary of your origin story. I mean, how did you start and become an advocate about caregiving? Well, it, uh, the journey for me started uh, way back in 2011 when my, uh, my partner, uh, Richard Schiffer, was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Uh, from that experience, uh, looking for an outlet, uh, I started a blog called The Purple Jacket. Uh, and from there, we we uh, we found this whole network of caregivers out in uh, cyberspace where we connected and uh, shared our story. And from there, I, I moved into podcasting and Richard uh, made his life transition in uh, 2014. Uh, he was given two to three months to live and lived another uh, 29 months and was very active <laughs> in the in the blog and you know and, and from that experience uh you know my backgrounds in social work and leadership uh, I've just kind of stayed as a caregiver advocate and I I find that the the most nurturing way to share our stories is through uh you know connecting like we've connected and with the with the millions of people around the globe that are uh, in this little world called caregiving. And, and uh, uh, that's why I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to be with you today and talk to your listeners and share our stories. So I'd love to hear how you got into podcasting, because it sounds like it started as a blog. And then you started creating Healing Ties. Sounds like around the same time. And, and why did you choose podcasting? And if people check out your podcast, what are they going to, what are they going to hear and find about? Well, you know, I, I started out uh, with uh, my first podcast was Be a Healthy Caregiver uh, because I was in the midst of caregiving. And I it was just a natural progression for me as I, I'd always wanted to be in radio and uh, talk to people. That's what I do best. And then uh, after Richard, uh, Richard made his life transition, uh, you know, I'm no longer a caregiver. Uh, I'm a care. I had to learn to be a caregiver to myself. And that's when I started the Healing Ties uh, uh, brand. And through Healing Ties, we, you know, we share stories of uh, before, 
during and after caregiving ends because you know there's two very common experiences that every caregiver has there's a beginning and there's an end and in most cases if not all cases we're not prepared for these life-changing events and by sharing our stories even if we can touch just maybe one person that can, has been helped by our story, by the resources we share, the validation we provide, the respite that we 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 seek, then you know you're doing you're doing something good. Yeah. So is healing ties. I know it it took a bit of a break, but it's back up again. Do you interview other caregivers? Right. It's four caregivers by caregivers. Is that the idea? Four caregivers by caregivers. I uh, I interview. I, I took a uh, about a year and a half uh, a break worked on some other projects and then uh, uh, came back with 30 podcasts in 30 days during National Family Caregivers Month. I, you know, I'm still kind of shaking my head on that. Yeah. One, but, uh, <laughs> but um, it, you know, we talk with, uh, with caregivers that are in many different stages of their care journey. Mm -hmm. And I also talk to uh, service providers, people who, who have a, a valuable product that uh, that caregivers need to know about it. And I'm very careful uh, uh, about that because I just don't wanna slap my experience or my story on just any any product. I wanna make sure that that the that the product in and of itself is is something that's been made by a caregiver for a caregiver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wanna have a connection here because I know you've checked out Waiting Revolution Oh, which I know many of our guests are have have been listening to. I'm really curious to know what you thought I um, about our origin story and I, maybe some of our episodes. Well, you know, a couple of things that stick out to me is uh, it, over and above the production, which is off the charts, is the way that you set up the the story uh, before you bring the guest on. Uh, you you kind of do some analytics that uh, in conversation. And then when you bring the guest on, the listeners are already kind of prepared for, for what you've said. And then the guest comes in and just reemphasizes uh, the, the beginning part of your podcast. I think it's a way to capture listeners. And, and I, I certainly, um, and I, I reference uh, uh, episode number five, uh, customizing, uh, customizing your, your, your plan your order. Yeah. Your order. It's like, Oh my gosh, I, I, I gravitated to that without really knowing what I was going to hear. It just the title. And then when I heard the story about the, uh, the mother and her daughter and the heart transplant and, uh, and I thought about how many people are in that similar situation and how valuable to hear uh, uh, the mother talk about her daughter and her daughter's care and what her daughter uh, wanted. You know, it's like, oh my God, at 12 years old, she was a model for all of us because she was proactive in her care. And yes, it is sad that uh, a 12 year old passed away, but what you've brought to people, especially parents who are dealing with sick children uh, is invaluable because they don't know where to, they don't know where to search. They don't, you mm -hmm. know, to get that into their, into their ears, 
<laughs> I was going to say hands, but no, they got to get it into their ears. Is so valuable because it makes people realize they're not alone because caregiving when it starts, even if there's, you know, in the United States, they say that there's 53 million. I think that's a low number. Uh, I'm not sure of the stats in Canada, but uh, no matter what the number is, when you start out in this, you feel like you're the only one doing it. Yeah. And to find that there are other voices and other re other trusted resources, oh goodness, that just makes a makes this difficult and beautiful journey just a tad bit easier. Yeah, isn't that the truth? It's it is that it's a universal experience, right? This idea of of for the most part getting sick and dying, and yet every time it happens, you know, the diagnosis we feel. Uh, it's the, you know, your whole world gets turned upside down and it is an individual experience. No one will experience it. Like I, whether you're the patient or the family, exactly. and yet there's so much advice that we can learn from others who have walked the road. And that was really the impetus for us to, to create this podcast waiting revolution, because we were hearing people say on a daily basis, why didn't someone tell us that sooner? Or I wish I had known. And, uh, you know, me and my, my uh, co-host, Dr. Samantha Wymaker, we're like, there are books about pregnancy and, and it's not such a, it's yeah. not so clear, you know, where there are trimesters and stuff, but there is experience that we can learn. And so I just, I was just wondering if some of the things we talk about, it, I'm guessing it's got to be the same in the U.S., right? The, 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 some of the issues there that they must be universal issues. I'm just the wondering. Care, I know yeah. care is universal. There, you know, I think we we might have chatted about before. There's, there's, love, care, and commitment are are universal. Everybody just wants to be able to care for the person that is entrusted in their care as best as they can. And I, I think then, you know, it kind of brings me to my theme, you know, caregiving is indiscriminate. There's no gender boundaries. There's no economic boundaries. There's no orientation boundaries. Caregiving impacts everybody. There might be some cultural differences, but when you get right down to it, people just want to be able to care for the one that they love. Well, and I, I got to kind of qualify that because I know that there's some folks out there that are not caring for somebody that they love, that they're kind of a caregiver by default. I was fortunate. I cared for somebody that I love. Uh, that's why I come back to the, the theme here, sharing the stories, because we can all connect. Mm -hmm. We can all connect with, with what we need to do next because there is no, there's no manual. You don't have nine months to prepare like you do for, an ex, uh, for expected parents. And you're thrust into this immediately. And then you have a hospital visit and they discharge you. I would imagine this is the same in Canada. They discharge you home and you're, you're asked to toilet, you're asked to bathe, you're asked to give shots. You're asked to do all these medical things that you're just not prepared to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're also, you know, being asked to have your own experience with as a daughter, as a, as a wife, as a husband, to try to continue that relationship and grieve, and grieve, uh, and, right. and, and and grieve as as the process is going. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's like um, having two. It's like having two relationships in one. That pre-established yes. relationship, whether it's a spousal or partner or sibling or child, and then caregiving changes relationships. Yeah, that's a sure. that's a. There's another relationship that's added on, and and. Uh, um, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I feel so honored to be able to talk about these things and our stories because I know, 
in 2011 when I got that, when we both got the diagnosis. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a nice segue because I tell us more about Whole Care Network. And because this is not just about your, you sharing your story, you're actually trying to create something that allows many people to share their story. So when listeners go to Whole Care Network, what, are, what will they find there? Well, when listeners go to the, the Whole Care Network on our site uh, is in beta, but it's still it's up and running. But uh, people will find a variety of podcasters that have a story to share. And one of the unique features of the pod, of the Whole Care Network is most of the podcasters are relatively new to podcasting hmm. uh, because they've had an experience uh, of either caring for a spouse or a child or a friend. Uh, and we feel like the best medium for this is through uh, podcasting. Uh, but one of the unique features of the new site is what we call our four pillars of care our uh, uh, financial, financial care, our spiritual holistic care, uh, our physical care, and our emotional care. And all of our content, whether it's blogs or podcasting or videos, are all searchable by one or all four of those pillars. And as the, the site continues to evolve, uh, you know, I th think we're going to have your podcast on the site too. So uh, uh, we're just trying to be an information and referral source. Uh, uh, for for caregivers and by sharing their story and it's kind of kind of funny I come full circle my first job in in social work in St Louis was running an information and referral service hotline for Catholic charities and I kind of come full circle in doing this and and trying to give people the opportunity to to share their story and share yeah, their resources yeah. yeah it's funny how the world works right it's trying to Gives you your mission and you're going you to keep getting pushed back to it if you even if you try right. to escape. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I'm curious because you've, you've been doing this for a long time. You're an advocate for the importance of caregiving and, and you're providing these resources. Do you think that there's a role for not just, you know, caregivers learning to help themselves, but to try to take control, use that knowledge to take control of uh, more control in their illness experience, make their voices heard and co-design sort of a better experience, maybe a better system. Oh, Do you definitely. See this? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, <laughs> I, I use this phrase in my uh, presentations and I, 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 I'll just change the location. I said, just imagine if everybody in Canada, if every caregiver in Canada decided they were going to go on strike today and they took their care partner, I'll use the generic term to a hospital, a daycare center, or urgent care, or whatever, what would happen to the healthcare system? Mm -hmm. It would it would crash. Yeah. Caregivers are the backbone of all healthcare systems. Uh, and by sharing these stories and the resources and being present, uh, you know, it, it helps these systems. It helps these systems grow uh, and change because you know, caregivers are are the are the fosters of change. We're seeing it here in the states, and I'm sure you're seeing it as well, because there's this realization that the society is getting older, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, systems aren't able to handle the volume. We need to handle and take care of the caregivers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm feeling a shift. Maybe, you know, I know obviously COVID has affected the whole globe, but this realization that 
we cannot rely on governments or the, the healthcare system to get us, right? We, uh, we have to recognize these other systems in place, these natural helping networks, the role of caregivers. Um, and, you know, once we all get immunized, we get out of this pandemic, I think it's going to be more important than ever that communities and uh, can support each other, families and patients together. And I, I guess I'm just wondering what your thoughts are of, of, of how, you know, is, is there going to be a future where we will not, you know, caregivers will be recognized as essential care partners, where patients and families will see themselves as needing to be active in this journey and not, um, I don't know if passive is the right word, but not just sort of going with the flow, you know, and, and right. I, that's what we're hoping for. But I just, what your, what your pulse is in the U.S. and, and from all your work. Yeah, I, I think there is going to be a, uh, a stronger awareness, uh, especially as it relates to creating teams uh, in and around uh, caregiving. Uh, you know, it's since I, I am a hockey fan, I'll use, I'll use that analogy. So you can't have uh, three or four or 50 goal scorers on your hockey team. You've got to have defensive players. You've got to have, you've, you've got to have team that have a variety of skills. And that's what caregivers need. They need a team that has people that has a variety of skills that can do the task, whether it's cooking or cleaning or toileting. Mm -hmm. or, uh, I, I, think, I think if there's one thing that's coming out of this COVID, it's going to be that people are going to feel a little bit more comfortable asking for help because asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Yeah. And I'll give you one, one kind of example here. You know how we all kind of casually see each other and say, oh, how are you doing? And your response is, oh, I'm doing great. Well, you know, I think that's going to change after this COVID, because when you ask somebody how they're doing right now, people are usually responding. You know what? I'm stressed out. I, I have this, 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 this going on. People are, are taking notice about how they're feeling mm -hmm. and recognizing that they can't do all this by themselves. And I, I, I think if the, if, if I could project into the future and, and to have something positive about this COVID experience is that people are going to be more willing uh, to help one another. Yeah, I, that's hope so. my, that, I mean, I, maybe I'm living in a Pollyanna world, but I lived four years through a, <laughs> an administration that didn't know what was going to happen, but that's yeah. another, that's we all, another we, The whole world lived through that, Chris. We yeah, all lived yeah. through that. It's, yeah, it's so. just your neighbors in the North. But you know, I think you're absolutely right. This idea of, uh, mental health and just just you know checking in big, uh, with each other is just going to be you know hopefully something that's easier for people to talk about um we're almost at time i want to ha have one last question for you if you could say one thing to other um well i'm going to say patients and families and caregivers out there any of them or all of them who are just starting a journey you know they've just been diagnosed uh, or you know have been you know sort of early in their journey what what advice would you give them um from your experience? Uh, <clears throat> I would say uh, it is an honor to be a caregiver, to be entrusted in with somebody else's care is the greatest honor that can be bestowed on you. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be some difficult days, um, but two things, don't be afraid to reach out for help and be mindful of your self care. Self-care is job number one for every caregiver. And you don't think of it in that fashion until 
six months down the road, you've got 30 extra pounds on you. You don't do, you don't do any of your hobbies. Six self-care is job number one. And if you don't realize that, I can tell you, your care partner understands it because even if it's unsaid, they know that you're their lifeline. And if something was to happen to you, what would happen to them? Mm. Have those open and honest conversations about your care, your care partner's care. And uh, it just makes a situation, a difficult situation, just a little bit easier when we all know we're on the same page. Yeah, talking about stuff openly, that's, that's really the heart of what we're doing. What do you say to people who don't identify with the term caregiver? I mean, or, or maybe that's not the right question. It's that it's this, you know, they don't find some of, of some people don't find resources because they don't identify with that label. And it's not about being carer or caregiver. It's just that, that I'm a daughter, I'm a husband, I would do any, you know, I just sort of I'm taking care of someone's sake. And it doesn't. So if you, you know, if it went, if you use the label, they can start to find resources, but right. that must be a problem you've encountered that um, if they don't, if they don't identify with that, they're not looking for the resources. Yeah. Well, right. Because they don't often, uh, it, the, the care grad gradually intensifies as the, as the diagnosis changes. So for instance, if you're a daughter or a son or spouse, you know, we're just going to the doctor, you know, that's kind of how this starts. And then all of a sudden, some of the chores change, you're doing more chores. And then all of a sudden there's more doctor's appointments. Uh, you know, you don't identify, it's just gradual, but <clears throat> it really changes when uh, personal care comes into the, to the picture. And I'll just, you know, I, I love kind of talking about this and I'll use toileting for an example. When toileting enters into a caregiving experience that changes the relationships. Not everybody's yeah. set to do that, whether you're a spouse uh, or, you know, the more, more difficult one is a son toileting his mother. Yeah. So we could do a whole show on that. We, yeah, no, and I I'll told, just, yeah, I before yeah. we get started, Richard and I had a, we had a joke about it because he was very independent, didn't like to ask for help. And when he needed towards the end, he needed help going to the bathroom we just came up with the term. Well, it's time for a pooparama. So he would look at me and, and I and he'd say, well, I guess we'll get, to, you know, pooparama. And then I'd get up and go with him. And Dan, I have to tell you, we, some of the most uh, beautiful conversations the two of us would have would be in that setting. Because what else is there to, I mean, how, how raw can two people be? And that's why for me, I'm fortunate. I knew exactly what he wanted when he died. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any second guesses. So. You know, um, when you're at your most vulnerable, right? Where you, uh, you really need people's help. Yeah. Right. No, that happened with my mom for sure. That's 30 years ago. My God. Over, yeah, 30 years ago, but, but like my aunt had to, uh, she had to move there and, you know, she would be there. My uncle, it was about five years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. and his daughter wouldn't be involved in that. So, you know, it was us or, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the most intimate, well, one of the most intimate things. Right. And um, 
people feel the most, well, they're literally naked, right? Uh, they're literally naked. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to um, trust that person, but also know that, uh, that that's love, right? That's what you call love. Yeah. That's where, and that's the universal, there's three universal words for caregiving, love, care, and commitment. Love, care, and commitment. Yeah. So, so, so the people who don't find that they, if they don't think of the term, they don't find, maybe they don't find the resources. They're not finding uh, the support they need. I don't, that's, that continues to be something we get asked all the time. That Well, right. Because uh, nobody, first of all, nobody plans to be a caregiver. It's not something that's on anybody's bucket list of things to do in life. And it happens because of one or two things, an unfortunate, uh, accident or an untimely diagnosis and suddenly you're thrust into this role with no training mm-hmm. no background and uh, some people gravitate to it some people uh, walk away from it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they don't recognize it they don't recognize that they're in it until it's um, until it's become intense and they need yes. those resources and they need those support and they need the, you know, the three things every caregiver needs validation, resources, and respite. respite. So, and that's, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's part of why it's important to continue to share our stories because the best information and referral uh, is from one caregiver to another because yeah. we've been in the trenches and understand it. Yeah. For caregivers by caregivers. Yep. Chris, it was awesome to have you. I'm so excited to check out more of the resources on whole care network. And, you know, like you said, sharing people's stories is how we, you know, how we change behavior, how we connect, how we learn. And um, it's awesome what you're doing. So thanks it's, for being on our show. My pleasure. And thanks for the work that you're doing. And I'm happy to happy to be a, a small part of it. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and help us get the word out. Our theme music is Maypole by Ketza. The podcast is edited and produced by me, Sien Xiao, and Kayla McMillan. Special thanks to Krista Honstra, principal of Clarity Hub. Please go to our website to join in the conversation, waitingroomrevolution.com.